Please turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 1. Ezekiel chapter 1, please. The last time I left off, I left off at a, um, a point where, where the, um, the ministry, I guess, or the, well, Satan's purpose and what he was, uh, what he was supposed to accomplish as being the angel who was the covering chair, but he decided not to do that himself. And, and specifically, he, he rebelled against God and, and he uh, offended a moral, um, he offended the moral law that God had established. Now, just reiterating what I spoke on before, I just want to clarify the specific angels and, and, their, and their specific uh, ministries. We have the seraphim and we have the cherubim, and then we have the specific angels that we know of, such as Michael and Gabriel. Now, seraphim, or cherubim, we'll start with cherubim. Cherubim were angels. They were living creatures also. They're in the Bible and scriptures. They're described as living creatures, but we know that they are, um, they are in the category of angels because in Genesis, what Christ used, or what God used after man had sinned were cherubs to put on the eastern side of the gate of Eden. These are angels related to the will of God. Not only are they loyal, but it seems as though um, their dependency on the holiness of God proves their zeal for God as well. Um, again, in Genesis 3, 24, it says, So he drove out man, and he placed that at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword. And I guess this is where it comes in with um, our chapter that we are already at, Ezekiel chapter 1. And beginning reading there, it says, Now it came to pass in the, 30th, in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I, as I was among the captives by the river of Shebar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, and in the land of Chaldeans, by the river of Chebar, and the land of the Lord was there upon him. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire unfolding itself, and brightness was about it. And out of the midst thereof as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire, also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. This is where we get the cherubim. And this was the appearance. They had the likeness of a man, and every one had four faces, and every one had four wings and their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like color of burnished brass. And they had the hands of a man under their wings, on their four sides, and, their, their four and they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they, when they went. They went every one straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side, and their four had the face of an ox on the left side. They four also had the face of an, of an eagle. Thus were their faces, and their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one were joined one to another. Two covered their bodies. 
excuse me. And this is just a description of the cherubim that we have in scripture. Um, and what the, just this description means, it means, or basically the, the, the creator who created them was absolutely amazing, which is our God. We have um, the description in verses seven, it says their feet were straight and their sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot and they sparkled like the color of burning, um, varnished brass. Now we're gonna to get to the seraphim. Um, please turn to Isaiah chapter six, verse two. Isaiah chapter six, verse two. And again, this is just a reiteration of everything I spoke on before. The angels were ministering spirits as it was in Hebrew, as it says in Hebrews. They have to serve. They were made specifically for the service of God and for the service of man, as it said, that they will not, they will keep charge of you in the psalmist, and it says they will keep charge of you so that you will not dash your foot upon a stone. Um, we have the seraphim, which Isaiah is uh, getting a revelation and Isaiah is looking up to the uh, to the throne room, and he and we'll, we'll just read in verse one. It says, "In the year that King Uzziah had died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim; each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. fly. Two that's two for each one." And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth, and he said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said, then said I, here, here am I, send me. So now we have the description of the seraphim as they constantly, forever, are flying in the face of the Lord, telling, proclaiming one another of his glory. We have, uh, verse says, he laid upon my mouth and said, Lo, this, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity has been taken away. Seraphim speak of the worship in and out daily. They always... They are always in the presence of the Lord, and they are always proclaiming his holiness one to another. Notice that the angel, um, when speaking to Isaiah, fixes the problem that Isaiah had when he conveys that he sees the holiness of God, and he himself cannot be in front of it. He cannot bring what he has to offer to the Lord. And what that angel does is he fixes the problem, and he purifies his um, he his iniquity, basically, so that he can now serve the Lord. So seraphim, seraphim 
are jealous for the Lord's holiness before, um, before one is to enter into the presence of the Lord, their sin and impurities must be addressed. And this is the application we have to ourselves. It must be purged. Before anyone can enter into ministering or a ministering position, their sins must be dealt with. The result of doing this will be a willing heart to serve. And we have that result as, as Isaiah said to, him, to, to the Lord, here I am, send me. We also have different classes of angels, so that was the seraphim. Um, we have specific angels that are spoken of in scripture. And again, I've said this before, it's Michael the archangel. Um, he is the chief prince of Israel. So he is the prince of Israel, he watches over Israel, and that is his, his, his ground, I guess, if you could say. That's, that's his, his specific uh, um, place where, where the Lord has placed him. He says, he is considered the prince of Israel. His dealings are specific to the children of Abraham and those who hold their inheritance, which is the church. In 1 Thessalonians 4.16, it reads, uh, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the being Michael, the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So we have Michael the archangel um, coming after the people um, of Abraham, or the children of Abraham, which is basically, or those who have the inheritance within the children of Abraham. Um, if we could turn to First Colossians, Yes, First Colossians chapter one. Colossians. <laughs> oh, oh, I said First Colossians. Yes, first and only Colossians, <laughs> chapter one. Thanks, Dave. I mean, if I wasn't nervous enough. <laughs> So we're here at first and only Colossians chapter 1. 16 gives a breakdown of the, uh, of the angels and the spirits that, we, that are in um, the heavens of heavenlies. Um, once again, if I haven't said it before, which I'm pretty sure I have, there are many angels. The angels that we have in scriptures are specific to only our ministries that we have um, towards us. What we don't know, I guess we don't need to know. Um, as far as the heavens are concerned. Um, we have the seraphim, which speak of the ministry that continually minister to God. And then we have the cherubim, which are zealous for his works. But there are other things that are in the heavens that we don't know about. And this is a breakdown, again, that we have. And verse 16 says, For by him, which is Christ, were all things created that are in the heavens, and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. We have thrones, dominions or principalities or powers. One of the um, examples that we have of one of an angel that is a throne or or a power is in Revelation chapter 10, if you guys could turn with me there. In Revelation chapter 10, we have a description of a mighty angel. Um, 
when the Bible says mighty, it means mighty, as in might, not so much strength, but in stature. Um, usually when someone is giving a description in the Bible and they do say mighty, it means bigger than what we um, necessarily have to compare with here on, on earth. Revelations chapter 10, 1 through 7, it says, And I saw a mighty angel come down from the heavens, clothed with a cloud. He was clothed with a cloud. That's how mighty he was. And a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was, as it were, the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he laid in his hands a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth, and cried with a loud voice as, as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, which I don't know how he could have written. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, seal up those things which the seven thunders had uttered, and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth, lifted up his hand to heaven, and swore by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven, and the things that, are th that therein are, and the earth, and the things that therein are, and the sea, and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seven angels, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And like I said, we have an angel who could be seen as either one of the powers or the thrones. Now we do have in Daniel chapter 10 a, an idea of who, what a throne or, or prince of an angel could be. Now Daniel chapter 10 describes an angel who is in contention with an, another angel who was sent to Daniel. This angel was a prince that was um, called the Prince of uh, Persia. What this means is that there are angels that are, are set in this world and they're given dominion um, over a specific region of this earth. They're very militant, very militant, but it's only a third of them. It's not a lot. There's specific um, number of angels, but there's an innumerable, amount, innumerable, innumerable, there you go, amount of angels that are in the heavens. In Daniel, it talks about how when he was given a revelation, Daniel himself said he saw the throne of God and he saw thousands times thousands ministering to the Lord. And then he said he saw thousands times thousands times thousands in the midst of the Lord. I mean, if you do a thousand times a thousand, what's that? I think that's a million, right? Times a thousand, which is like, ugh. it's a lot. It's a billion times a thousand, which is like, Oh my goodness. But the interesting thing about that is what struck me is that you have these mighty angels that are there, angels that are clothed with clouds and rainbows, but you could still see the throne of God. He is in control. <laughs> Continuing on, um, this angel shows the splendor by making angels and also giving them a personality and a free will in the process of their creation. 
Unfortunately, there is a blemish in the history of the angelic host. An angel that was personally created by God and given a ministry specific to his power corrupted himself and defiled the heavens and introduced this corruption to the heavens and introduced this corruption also to the man, to man itself, thus tarnishing the earth. And that angel's name is Lucifer. Note that, that God created Lucifer, the son of the morning, not the devil. Lucifer became the devil. Um, contrary to what people think, he does not have horns. He does not have bat wings. Um, he's not red. He doesn't have a pitchfork. Um, he might live in Hollywood, but he... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you never know sometimes. Now this is all, this is all, um, this is all together, it's all one. I, at my last uh, speech, when I, when I spoke, I said that there was no application from men to angels. It was wrong. It was terribly wrong. I didn't finish studying. So open mouth, insert foot. <laughs> the reason why man was fallen in the first place is because of an angel. An angel had introduced his work to man and gave him the option to sin. Thus man sinned. Thus sin entered into man's heart. Now the work of Satan is in man continually. Angels are not given to marriage, nor do they, nor do they reproduce, but man can. So man is reproducing the work of Satan daily, continually. And that is what the position of, of the church is. We are supposed to sow the seed, which is Christ, so that he can be born in them, in their hearts. Um, Lucifer's ministry, he was an angel that was created. He was a mighty angel. Um, he has many titles and many appearances in this God-breathed book. His name consists of the accuser of the brethren, the serpent, the devil, Apollyon, which is Greek, which means the destroyer, and that's specific to his power, dragon, the prince of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the god of this world, Belial, and the evil one. If you can please turn with me in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 28. We're going to read a description of this angel and his beauty, what he was before his fall. And this is a prophecy that was given to um, Ezekiel to prophesy against Tarshish. And this is his wayward city, the city that um, was very evil, and a city that would persecute many of the people in the world um, and do a lot of evil things. But behind Tarshish was the prince of the power of the air, which is Lucifer. Um, we have in verse 
2, we'll start reading verse 2. Son of man, say to the prince of Tarsus, Thus saith the Lord God, thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am God. I sit in the seat of God, in the midst of the seas, yet thou art a man and not God. Thou, see, thou set thine heart as the heart of God. Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. With thy wisdom and with thine understanding, thou hast gotten thee riches and hast gotten gold and silver for the treasures. But by thy wisdom and by thy traffic, thou hast increased thy riches and thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast set thine heart as the heart of God, behold, therefore, will I bring strangers upon thee, a terrible of nations, and shall draw their swords against the beauty of thy wisdom, and they shall defile the brightness, thy brightness. They shall bring thee down to the pit, and thou shalt die the deaths of them that are slain in the midst of the sea. Wilt thou yet say before me, uh, before him that slayeth thee, I am God? But thou shalt be a man, and no God in the hand of him that slayeth thee. Thou shalt die the deaths of the uncircumcised by the hand of strangers, for I have spoken it, said the Lord God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation against the king of Tyre's. And say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum of full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now he stops speaking about the king of Tarsus, and he begins to speak about Lucifer. He says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and the gold, workmanship of thy tabrets, and of thy pipes were prepared in thee, prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou wast walked up and down its midst in the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By, thy multitude, by the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mount of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by the reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings, and they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled the sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth the fire from the midst of thee. I shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all men that behold thee. And they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee, that thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. So from verses 1 through, th through 10, you have, a lament or you have a prophecy against the king of Tarsus. And, and it almost seems like as God wanted God wanted Lucifer to know, he says, you know what, as, while I'm here, I'm going to put this in the scriptures too. <laughs> so he prophesies against him, and it says in verse 13, is, verse 13 is a description of this angel and his beauty. Um, verse 14 describes his fall. He was perfect in all thy ways until sin was found in him. Um, we're going to come back to verses 14 because that's specific to what the message is tonight. Verse 15 through 19 describes the consequences of Lucifer's actions. He will be humiliated in front of the known universe because of the corruption he brought. Um, by thy multitude of thy merchandise, they have lift, filled the midst of thee with violence, 
and thou hast sinned. Therefore will I cast thee profane out of the mountain of God. There is talk of that possibly that there was an additional, not additional, there was another, which is additional, um, <laughs> garden of God, one in the, in the heavens and one on earth. It seems like God like, likes gardens. Um, when he speaks of you walked among the fire, um, it talks about the closeness of that angel to God. He was the angel to bring light to the glory of God. He himself um, raised himself to be as if he were God, but it was in his heart. And he didn't say anything at this point. If we keep reading, it says, uh, verse 14 speaks to the sin of the devil. Before that time, sin was known, but only by the triune God. Um, it, is very, it is the very cause of corruption of man and it was manifested by, by Lucifer, the angel. If we could turn to Isaiah chapter 14. Keep your places in Ezekiel. Isaiah chapter 14 is also a prophecy against, um, against Lucifer. It's very vivid as to what's going to happen to him. Isaiah 14 verse 8 says, Ye, yea, the fir trees rejoice at thee at the cedars of Lebanon, saying, Since thou art laid down, no feller is come upon, or come up against us. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee. Even all the chief ones of the earth that have raised up their thrones, all the kings of the nations, all they shall speak unto thee. Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy vials. The worm is spread under thee. The worm cover thee. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down from the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, remember this is in his heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation and the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake the kingdoms? that made the world as wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof that opened not the house of his prisoners. All the kings of the nations, even all of them, lie in glory, every one in his own house. Now this again, this is a prophecy of what will happen to Lucifer uh, at, the end of, um, at the end of the age. We will see him as he really is. And considering those who are saved, it will be as if it were nothing. Verses uh, 12, 10 through 12, it speaks of what people shall say when he is judged in front of everyone. Um, he and his power shall be brought down to the very creation he tried to destroy, which is man. I tend to think of at that time when we do see him, we will be astonished. He probably looks like a nerd. I mean, if you really think about it. Have you guys ever had that happen before? Somebody just had this huge you know, 
figure of in your head and then you finally see him? He's got Coke bottle glasses. That's what I felt like Lucifer's going to be. And verses 13 through 15 explains why he did what he did and his arrogant, his prideful, his attitude that led him to say what he said in his heart. It's the five I wills. Luke 10, um, yeah, it's Luke 10, verse 18. It records Christ himself stating that he beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. This was a result of his prideful, um, of him being pridefully, of him pridefully trying to ascend higher than the angels and the stars. It was in his heart that he'd made this, and he tried to propagate that, um, that he was better and that he wanted to ascend to the stars throughout um, heaven. And because of this, he drew a third of the stars with him. Now again, these third of the stars are angels that are most likely mighty angels that were described in verses 10, or in verses, or chapter 10 of Revelation. Angels so bad that when they were first cast out of heaven, they were locked up until the, in the time of judgment, which is to come in Revelation. And this is the idea of sin. Once again, sin was cultivated in Lucifer. There, a, there was no such thing known to all angels before he did it. Again, it's his work, it's his masterpiece. It's, it's the very thing that he was proud of. It's the very thing that also corrupted and got him kicked out of heaven. It's the very work of Satan. That's his masterpiece. Lucifer was the first to sin. As mentioned before, sin was cultivated in Lucifer in Isaiah 14 and was introduced to man in Genesis 3. Disobedience was the sin, and from that time on, Satan has had ownership inside of man's heart. There was a moral law. Our God is so pure that he cannot see sin in his presence. There was a law in heaven. That law was broken. He has to judge that sin. Um, also, that's why Satan, that's why hell is reserved for Satan and his angels. Satan wants worship. And it is finally reiterated out of his mouth when he speaks it in uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 9, um, when, he, when he has his encounter with the Lord. He was cast out from his heart, by his heart, his heart convicted him. He um, says, all this will I give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. His true intentions were voiced. It was in his heart he was judged by God in years past. Now his sin is revealed audibly, as if God didn't know it already. Sin is cultivated in the heart of man. Jeremiah 17, 9 reads, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. This is the evidence of Lucifer's work, as he is so um, conspired and plotted in his heart um, to do, we as workers of iniquity. Sin is often in the shadows. Once again, as far as sin is concerned, if people knew what we really thought, if people knew how we really were in our minds, in our hearts, we wouldn't have but one friend. Um, and again, this is because of the work of Satan. Sin was given to us. It was passed down. We didn't really have a choice. 
John 8 reiterates the work of Satan. John 8, 44, if we can turn to that really quick. This is when the Lord is speaking to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees thought um, that they had claimed to um, the throne because of their, their lineage as far as their birth. But the Lord is making known that they themselves were born of their fathers and they're born into sin. John 8, chapter 44 reads, or John chapter 8, verse 44, excuse me. Year of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 2. Reading in verse 1, it says, And you hath quickened, you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we also had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now we have the, now we have the application. So what do we do? If we're born into sin, if we're born with the work of Satan, how do we fix this? The only fix is what we heard this morning. And the breaking of the bread, we got to remember the resurrection of Christ. Christ is our fix. And the belief in his blood and what he did on the cross and the new covenant that we have in his blood is the only way that we can be redeemed. It's funny is, as we believe in that, he himself lives right where the problem is and it's in our heart. He's our hope, our redeemer, the proof of our salvation. Um, Satan was seen as the angel that would not let his captives free. Jesus is the opposite. And Luke 4.18 states that he is to heal the brokenhearted and preach deliverance to the captives. We are free from sin and free from the grave. In 1 John 1, Verses 3 through 8 says, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. We turn to Romans 6. Romans chapter 6. Verse 9. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. Turn over to Romans chapter 8, verse 2, reading from verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Acts chapter 2. Two, verse 
whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Ephesians states that not only are we redeemed by his blood, but we are set free from sin, and we have the right to be called the sons of God. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Christ in the beginning in Genesis chapter 3 was given, or God gave the prophecy that the seed of the woman will bruise his head. Now that was taking away the power of death from, um, from Satan. Satan has the power of death as far as our physical bodies are concerned right now. But we cannot be held in the grave. We have as our Redeemer, Christ, the champion of our faith, he who is risen from the dead. Um, if we turn to Revelations chapter 1, verse 18, he gives uh, reason to this as we are, as he is in us. He reiterates this at the, at the end, verse 17, I'll read that. He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. We know that hell and death will be thrown into um, the pit at the end, which is interesting because hell and the pit is reserved for Satan and his angels. So, hell and death are angels, right? Right. In order to be condemned to hell, hell is a place where you are to be um, placed at the end times. Now, you're placed there by offending a moral law. You offend a moral God, you go to hell. You have sin that you need to be that needs to be taken care of. So, hell and death will be thrown in the pit, and they are not concept. Hell is not just a holding place. It's also referred to as hell and Hades. That's this is where pertaining to Christ. This is where we have the idea where it says, "I will establish my kingdom, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it." It was more likely that it was talking about Christ than in those later, those previous chapters that we read, that he is alive and forevermore and he has the keys of hell and death. As he is the firstborn from the dead, the grave did not hold him, could not hold him because he was Christ, or he is Christ. And in conclusion, it says, and angels looked on to see the sin of Lucifer manifest itself into the creation of man. They were also present to see Christ incarnate, manifest himself in the likeness of sinful flesh, humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Now because of this, we are now partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have the redemption through his blood. Amen even for the forgiveness of sins, so now as such is the symbol 
of the rainbow is to man, and the symbol of the breaking of the bread is to man, one being that God will never punish the earth with the flood, and the other of the new covenant that we have in his blood of Christ. The head covering is more so a symbol for the headship of Christ being established on earth as it will be in heaven towards the heavenly host. And I'll conclude with this. If you don't get anything from this choppy message, you gotta get this. Sin is the work of Satan. That work needed to be destroyed so that the Lord could have fellowship with his creation. The Lord saw his creation with his face upon it, marred by an angel. It was an angel that introduced this corruption to man. But it was a man who redeemed man, the man that we know as Christ, the man that we love, the man that we get to serve. And we cannot serve him unless we are purified, as was Isaiah in chapter 6. Christ, seeing the problem, understood that it was a heart issue. And not only does he dwell in the midst of us, he dwells in us, in our hearts. There is a lot more to speak of when it comes to angels. And if I am allowed to after this, I will speak again. <laughs> and I will be a lot more clear. But if you take anything, I would hope that you would take that the work has been completed on the cross. That no more should we be afraid of death. We should not be afraid of them that can destroy the body, but him that can destroy the soul. But we, being called the sons of God, now have a place in heaven because of this, because of his work. Let's pray. Dear gracious God and Father, Lord, we're thankful for the angels that you've given us, Father, to look at upon this, in the scriptures. We're thankful for the, the accounts that we have in the scriptures that we could look at and see how they ministered unto you. Father, we are thankful also um, for the examples that we have of angels that did not obey. Because of this, Father, we know that you have come to this earth to destroy that work Father, let us pray for those who we love as he does not sleep, as he is seen as a roaring lion, lion, and he is the evil one, the destroyer. But Father, we know that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And we thank you for that. We thank you that because of his blood, we can become the sons of God, the sons of promise. Not only that, we can do the work for a holy and a righteous God. So, Father, bless the time that we have tonight. Let our conversations be of thee. And, Father, I pray for clarity, spirit, from your scripture. I ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.